freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Everybody, welcome to episode number 306 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is making civic action as easy as pie. And our guest is Marissa Hamilton. Marissa is the former Republican candidate for Phoenix mayor in 2020, the first partisan candidate in over two decades to receive the endorsement of law enforcement for Phoenix mayor. Marissa holds the title, I'm sorry, holds the record for the highest number of votes in Phoenix history for a non-incumbent. She recently co-founded a nonpartisan grassroots organization called EZAZ.org that makes civic action easy as pie. EZAZ.org is on fire with over 5,400 members in a little over one month. Fantastic. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be on. Well, this is exciting for us. And actually, you should now have uh, 5,401 member because I just joined <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, it's, it's incredible work because you are helping people be aware of what's going on. You've yes. taken out all the spin that happens on, on the, new, the news. We always have to use air quotes when we say the word news. And you're giving us an easy, as it says in the name, an easy way to have uh, an impact and have a voice in what's going on in the Arizona legislature. And so tell us more about this effort. Like, how did it start? Sure. Where did it come from? What do you hope to do with it? So it was around the time of mid-January where my team that worked on my Phoenix mayoral campaign contacted me and they said, okay, your break is over. What are we doing next? <laughs> and um, I said, well, there's this concept that I've been thinking about for a few years where we need to make civic action easy. And we saw when we campaigned, um, we did a lot of door knocking, especially in South Phoenix and, um, and Maryvale to try to find out, first of all, if these communities really wanted to defund the police. And interestingly enough, what we discovered is that they do not want to defund the police. They want safe neighborhoods um, and they want to be able to call 911 and have the police show up as soon as possible, um, right away even. And um, we even found that people that were still, there were, there were a few people that we met that they were actually still um, on probation, um, which we had some really interesting, powerful conversations about our criminal justice system and areas that we can improve upon. But the one area that everyone agreed was that we cannot defund the police and that we absolutely have to have safe neighborhoods. Yeah. So 
when so that brought us to the point of where we're at now where it was interesting because people didn't know that our phoenix mayor was trying to defund the police they didn't know that she had a committee um, that i call the anti-police committee it's a, supposed to be a civilian oversight committee but it is such um, it is so charged in the way that it has been designed and created that um, it eliminates due process for police officers and allows false allegations no one knew any of this was happening um most of our voters at least a third of voters didn't even know that we had riots in phoenix mm. wow and so what we realize is that we're coming to knock on people's doors to talk to them about the phoenix mayoral campaign but we're actually having to give them a summary of the major events that had happened for the last year because either they didn't know or they had a had, had a sorely uh, amount of lack of information that they were um, that they were making their decisions based off of. And so we started EZAZ to help fill in that gap to be able to reach voters um, that partisan candidates typically can't reach um, to reach voters on the issues that matter most to them. Um, but more so than that, it is not enough to just register someone to vote. It's not enough to go and knock on their door or call them during the election cycle. We are up against um, a lot of very far left progressive activist organizations that put out so much misinformation as to what bills actually do. Um, and they run and operate 365 days a year. So EZAZ is there to fill in that gap, to take the spin out of the legislation that, the, that um, our legislators are putting forth. We are nonpartisan. Um, we let our members choose when they sign up uh, through the um, RTS step one link that's on our website, what are the issues that matter most to them? And then that is what we focus on. So our our group is truly uh, by the people and for the people operated by the people with the people deciding what our priorities are. So Marissa, so if somebody signs up for your group, what, what do you do for them? So there's um, three different levels of membership that we currently have. The first level is you can just simply subscribe to uh, receive our newsletters and our updates. We usually release at least one a week, but right now that the legislative session is coming down to the wire, we're finding that we're releasing um, one every other day and sometimes every day um, because we have so many issues happening so quickly. The second level is going to be what we call the RTS um, membership level. That is where you do the step one, sign up for the Arizona legislature request to speak. Now, the tricky thing about this system is it is actually just a thumbs up, thumbs down um, uh, voting system on bills that are moving through the system. You can put in a public comment if there's a committee um, that the bill will be heard through, which we're past that now. Um, but earlier in the session, you can request to actually speak at a meeting. Um, we are just right now teaching people to do the thumbs up, thumbs down since we just got started. And that's the easiest form of action that you can take. Um, and then the third level is our monthly pie club. Now our monthly pie club is launching this month. Um, it's very exciting because um, it will include pie. Um, our first event, unfortunately, will not be at a location that has pie, but we are trying to work out a way where we still include pie some way, shape or form because I am persistent about pie. 
Um, it will, we will be featuring uh, Nigel Farage and Carrie Lake. This is an event that's being put on by FreedomWorks. Um, Nigel Farage is almost like the old school Easy AZ because he helped to empower the grassroots in England to take their country back um, via Brexit rather than having to um, really have to abide by and uh, cater to the EU's bad negotiations. Um, he has led an entire movement to say, no, we're England, we're a sovereign nation, we're going to act like it. So he's coming here to America. Um, thanks to Freedom Works to be able to teach all of us what he did. He started off with him, another dude, and a small office. And so if he can start a new movement that takes back a, a nation, we certainly can do it here in the United States. And, um, and we're also very excited to have Carrie Lake speaking. Um, she was a Fox News anchor for almost 30 years, 20, 30 years. And um, she recently um, opted out of the industry, of the media industry, because she was so um, distraught about the fake news that was being pushed last year during COVID. So we're very excited to be able to feature um, these speakers at our first event. And Pi Club members are able to have reserve seating at this event. We expect that there will be um, over 500 people. We um, The capacity is 800. And I think that we will max out capacity so go on easyaz.org and sign up for the pie club if you want to be able to have seating because otherwise there's a slim chance that it will be available with how um, fast this event is filling up. Well, that's, what, a, what a great organization. I mean, I, I was raised in South Phoenix and uh, I'm sure it's, it's different now, but giving the, okay, so these upper people are telling everyone what these people in these other areas think. Mm -hmm. and now they're going to be able to have a voice mm -hmm. and yes. they're going to be able to tell them, no, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. No, we right. need police protection. Mm -hmm. So, I think yeah, and, it, and, and we cover all issues. So there's a lot of or other organizations in Phoenix that will help people sign up for request to speak. One of the things about request to speak is you have to go down to the Capitol to activate your login, and we do that for you. So we make it extremely easy. You just go, you fill out the survey. It's a very short survey. Um, we just need a few pieces of information that are required to sign up. And then we need to know what your preferences are for the issues that you care about most. And um, we will then go down to the Capitol ourselves. Usually we do it within um, 24 to 48 hours. Um, sometimes it takes up to a week, but we're pretty fast in our turnaround time. You'll receive an email from us letting us know that you are signed up. Um, how to change your password. And then we have a very easy seven minute video that teaches you exactly how to use the system. Um, and for those that are in a rush, we have a one and a half minute video that teaches you how to do the thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, we don't tell people what to think. Um, that's something that can be confusing for people because they will be like, okay, tell me what to say. We're not here to tell you what to say. We are here to tell you what the bill does, what the issues are, um, if there are current events that impact this bill, we will share that with you in the emails and on the website. Um, but it is, it is, we do not want to tell people what to think. We just want to teach them how to read bills and how to, and how to take action and make it super easy, literally easy as pie. That is awesome. I really love that. And I'm familiar with the RTS system because of the Arizona Citizens Defense League, the AZCDL. Yes. I've been using it through them. And so, you know, that's strictly... Second Amendment related, gun related right. bills. And so then you've taken that and expanded it for me for a lot of issues that there are a lot of times that I get so focused on, you know, 
my key issue, which is the second amendment. And maybe somebody right. super focused on their issue, which is, you know, education or water rights or whatever the, the case may be. And then we lose sight of these other things that end up then therefore impacting uh, our key issue as we run on down the road at, at lightning speed, the way things seem to do. So this is, uh, I mean, tr a tremendous effort. It seems like a, a very heavy lift, but when I listen to you kind of break it down, it, it sounds like, you know, it, it's, you've made it as basic and elemental and um, bite-sized, pie-sized <laughs> as, as it could possibly be. How, how did you work? The, is it your team that kind of threw ideas at each other or is it just kind of the way that you think about things that, that, you know, brought this about in this way? I think it's a combination. We have such a diverse team. I am so blessed that we were able to bring so many incredible people on board. Um, and so our team really, the mission that we had was that we view the voters and the taxpayers as the boss of their government. And so that's what the mission was, is that you are the CEO of your government. And as the CEO, that means you need to have the talking points. You need to know um, exactly what the pros and cons are of everything. You need it in those um, you know, bite-sized pieces and you need it to be super easy. I don't know any CEO out there that is, um, give me a tutorial on how a PowerPoint works. They're like, give me, give me, the, give me the, the, the pros and the cons you know, tell me what we're dealing with and I'll make a decision. And so that's how we, we view every single voter. We are very high service oriented organization. Um, and some of that, to be frank, comes from my experience working for Councilman Sal DeCicio. Um, He is very strong on constituent services and, and he drives through his organization that the voter, the taxpayer, they are the boss of their government. And so we wanted to be able to extend that out um, you know, beyond the issues that are happening in the city of Phoenix, uh, which do impact really the whole, all of Maricopa County and sometimes the whole state. Um, but there's a lot of things that are happening at the legislature that people don't know about. And, um, and there's also a lot of misinformation that's happening about what's happening at the legislature. Um, and so we, we look at those topics and we try to break them down and really take the take all the um, extra nuanced fluff out of it that um, that both sides Republicans and Democrats will give to a bill and say, okay, how does this actually impact your life? What is going to change if this bill passes? What's currently happening that maybe you don't know bad things are happening right now? And, and by doing that research and making it easy, we find that we are able to activate so many more people. Um, we ran, I recently ran the numbers on Arizona and we found that there's 300,000 voters that are considered medium propensity. That means that they vote in the presidential elections, but they are unlikely to vote in the next gubernatorial election. And I, and I really think that that doesn't have to do with the fact that they don't want to vote. I think that it is so hard to um, have to go through all the information and understand what you're dealing with, um, with what's happening in your government that people are just like, I don't have enough time to figure this out. And they'd rather not vote than make an uneducated vote. And so we want to make sure that we engage everyone that wants to have a voice um, to be able to have it quickly, efficiently, and effectively. You know, this is awesome because there are a, just a handful of people that make all the decisions for Arizona, just a handful. Absolutely. And, and many of these handfuls of people 
have never even been in the areas that they're impacting with these new laws. Mm -hmm. And so by joining EZAZ, people are going to be able to voice their opinion to the lawmakers Mm -hmm. for the lawmakers to make an educated decision instead of just thinking what somebody told them was best for them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. And we don't, we, we don't do it based on, on party lines. I'm, we do have, um, for example, we have 24% of our members that are not on social media at all. Um, about 10% of our members that identify as Democrats. We have about 20% of our members and growing that identify as independents. Um, we have about 5%, four to 5% that identify as libertarians, which is much higher than what the um, actual number of libertarians are that are registered to vote versus other voters. So we have a diverse audience that we're reaching. Um, The thing that we find that's in common across our our supporters though, is that they all love America. (laughs) They love our values and they want to be able to see that um, continue. And so that is what we we bring to them is those issues that impact that. And we also link to AZCDL, we linked to the Free Enterprise Club, um, we link to the People's Lobbyist Organization. And so as we find other organizations that are tracking bills, we will post that um, on our website so that what we want is we want our site to be a one-stop shopping uh, place for anyone that wants to have public comment. So this summer, we plan on expanding to um, teaching people how to read a bill, um, teaching people the proce- the legislative process that a bill goes through. Um, for example, we have some tricky things that just happened on Friday where um, there was a motion to move a bill that will give um, illegal immigrants in-state tuition in Arizona. There's a loophole in it that gives all illegal immigrants access to in-state tuition. And normally that bill, um, it's already passed the Senate. So normally it would have to go through a first read, a second read and a third read, and then it would be voted on. Um, The the procedure that was done on Friday by uh, Representative Michelle Udall, a Republican, pushes that bill through where they're combining all the reads in one vote. And so that vote is today. Um, This law will be less restrictive than even California's in-state tuition because it only requires two years. There's a loophole that allows it that, uh, whereas California, by the way, is three years. So two years in this bill, three years in California, there's a loophole in it that um, it's not just for DACA students, it's being advertised as DACA students, but part C of the bill actually says um, anyone that has taken a high school equivalency uh, program um, which then opens it up to everyone. So all illegal immigrants then will have in-state tuition. At the same time, it does not have anything to allow legal immigrants to have in-state tuition. So legal immigrants will still be prohibited from in-state tuition until they become a permanent resident, um, which does take quite some time, um, far more than two years for that to happen. And um, out of state, American citizens are still not able to access in-state tuition for a year. And so in some ways, it um, if you are able to um, lie about how long you've been in the country illegally, you will be able to get access to in-state tuition before an American citizen that's out of state and years, um, maybe even a decade before someone that's here legally. That's just so- it's opposite land, isn't it? It's so, it's opposite land. We're, living in weird times and I think that 
you know, having accurate, quick, and clear information will help people um, in immeasurably because, you know, just when you were talking earlier about how to read a bill and, and people maybe won't vote for, you know, a governor, a governor's campaign uh, in a governor election because they, they don't have time to decipher everything. How often do we see that you have to vote yes in order to actually be voting against something, right? right. They, there's all of this very tricky language that has uh, gotten put into uh, bill writing. And it, it really is, you know, if you're not already familiar with maybe the previous, what has happened previously on a topic, by the time you get to this bill, you, you're reading it and you're going, I have, and I have a master's degree, right? Like I'm reading this and I'm going, I have no idea what, which way to vote to get the ultimate outcome that I'm looking for. So yeah. it, it's a very frustrating thing. So I am super excited um, well, to have new tools available to me. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because it can be so nuanced and sometimes it's not even just what's stated in the law. Uh, or in the bill. Sometimes it can be what's the law at the federal level or what's the law at the municipality. You know, most people thought when they were seeing Doug Ducey's executive orders that that meant the cities were restrained. They didn't realize that um, many of our cities like Phoenix and Tucson are charter cities and they actually have powers much greater than what a statewide executive order will give. And so they can actually violate a statewide executive order legally. And all these little things that, um, that they don't teach you in school um, and the media doesn't tell you and um, even politicians lie about. So that's, that's <laughs> homework that we're trying to figure out. You, politicians lie? No, no, this not a news flash for me. I've never- I know. No, I'm telling you, I have a friend that says, how do you know when a politician, and I'm not talking about public servants. There is a distinction sure. between people who really go into these positions with the heart of a public servant and those that just want to be politicians and glorify themselves. And, and my friend says, how do you know when a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. So right. uh, <laughs> yeah, let's make it clear. There are some, there are some uh, public servants out there that do a really good job. And they're looking for the best for us. Well, you mentioned Sal DeCicio, <coughs> Phoenix uh, council member. And I mean, he is, every time I hear him speak, every time I see him put something on social media, when I had him on our show before, it's just kind of like, you know, what would the constitution say? And that's the end of it for him. Right. And I'm thinking, why is he a revolutionary? Like, why isn't that the standard? <laughs> And then when somebody does, you know, something that's anti-constitutional, unconstitutional, that's the thing that's the oddball. Instead, we're in this weird space where, you know, you hear him and you're like, man, that's an amazing idea. Uh, why, why does that sound like, you know, something I've never heard before? You know, it's frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sal is in, you know, the super mi minority on the city council. Um, we had prior to this election, we that just happened, and I apologize if there's background noise. Um, I'm at my mom's in Florida, and trash is being taken out, and there's so many fun things I want to say about trash being taken out versus politicians, but we won't go there. Um, that's just so, too easy, <laughs> too easy, yeah, too easy. So, um, 
you know, Councilman DeCicio last last year before this election happened, he was on the super super minority. There was technically only three Republicans on the city council. Only two of them really voted Republican. Um, and and he was the only one that would be outspoken. Um, now we're in a little bit of a worse situation because now we have a super majority kind of anti-police city council. Um, our pro-police city council uh, races were um, all lost, primarily again, because voters did not know the, what was going on. They didn't know the candidates. They didn't know the issues that were happening. And so now Sal is in even more of a super minority than he was before. Um, and so it is, he is constantly being charged as um, all these awful, horrible names simply because he wants to uh, support the constitution and support our liberties. And it is incredible the type of pushback that he gets um, uh, on the council. And the, if, if you knew the inside ball game, you would completely understand why I was willing to leave my career and run for Phoenix mayor um, and make sure that even though it was only a three month race that we were able to inform as many voters as possible with what was going on. Um, and, and why EVAZ is so important going forward in Arizona. Absolutely. This, this defund police thing really, really bothers me. I mean, there's, to me, there's only two people, two types of people that want to defund the police. Those that are really hardened criminals and those that are completely out of touch of what this communities are about. That's the only two. It's, it's, it's crazy. And we see in other cities where they've defunded the police, it's not helping. No, you know, so, so something's wrong. And I read a, a little thing yesterday that said that the reason why they, they want to defund the police is because once they get most of the de police defunded, then they come up with a federal police department. I've heard that. And we did, I mean, we didn't, but they did that in Germany in 1934. Yeah. 30, yeah I, well. I don't think that most of the people that are participating in the defund the police movement, like BLM and Antifa, um, truly understand what the end game is that these organizations are driving towards. They are absolutely driving towards federalizing the police department, which is um, a terrible idea because what that means is that they're going to, in, in that scenario, and I and I just had this discussion actually um, last week before, well, week before last, before I came to Florida, um, with someone that had been protesting outside the Latinos Community Center that was previously the Trump Latinos Community Center in South Phoenix. He would go there on a loud horn and just blare his loud horn um, every several times a week. I didn't know this. I was invited to speak there and he started blaring it while I'm teaching people how to be effective at activism. And so I just pointed to him outside and I said, this is not effective activism. I was like, all he's doing is making you to want to want to participate even more than you already were planning on it. And so after, after that, I went outside and I spoke to him and, and it's, it's on my social media, it's on Facebook, where I'm like yelling at him, like, come here and have a conversation with me. And um, one of the other people that was there at the event wanted to debate him. And I was like, no, I don't want to have a debate. I just want to have a conversation. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what we're looking at. Let's break this down. And we had a great one hour conversation there. We then followed up with a, a, another um, a kind of a little brief dinner meeting where I could talk about some of the solutions. And it took so long to unwrap all of the things and all the all the con 
misconceptions, in my opinion, that he has about law enforcement and policing. And finally, at the end of it, I was like, okay, if there was one thing that you could do to be effective, what would it be? Like if there was just, you could wave a magic wand and poof, that became law, what would it be? And he said, I want all police to have body cameras like Phoenix does. And I said, Phoenix doesn't have body cameras for all police officers. And he said, well, the mayor said that they do. I said, yeah, she lied. Every precinct has body cameras, but not enough for all the officers. And he goes, well, and I want the body camera footage to be available like immediately within a few days after, after an officer involved shooting. And I said, and he goes, so we can just, that's what I want to happen. And I said, well, you basically just, just described five to 10 bills. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you, I said, first of all, to make the body camera footage be available, that's a technology issue. Um, that has to do with the technology contracts that the municipalities have. Um, it's a funding issue. It needs to be an appropriation bill. And so I went down all the line of things that would be required to get that one little thing done. And he was like blown away. He was just like, okay, fine. You got me. We, we can, I was like, do you want to work together on this? I would be happy to make you effective, but as long as you don't riot, like don't destroy buildings, I'll teach you how to pass laws. And we can work on things to make policing better and have safer neighborhoods. Do you agree with that? And he said, yes. I said, okay, let's do that. Just yeah. gave me goosebumps. <clears throat> right, that is That awesome. is so beautiful. That is exactly what our founders have intended for us, right? Because they had the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists mm -hmm. and that tension is what gives us the best product. And, you know, when one side is just constantly squelching the other side with their bullhorns or with their social media, um, you know, uh, when, when they're taking people off social media and, and infringing on our First Amendment rights, all of that, we don't get our best product and our, our best future. And, man, that, that is, that is awesome. amazing. Thank you so that, much that for that. That person, he's, gonna, he's listening to what you're saying. You're not forcing it on him. He's listening to it, and then he's going to tell his friends, and, right. and it's going to go on. But, you know, I'm very active with police departments. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of officers, and I'll tell you, there's many that they don't want to go out of the precinct without a camera. Mm -hmm. They right. want the camera. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's like, and I do agree with you that why would we hold a camera recorded message, recorded view any length of time? You know, well, uh, you only protect the innocent, maybe. Right, exactly. But, uh, but that, you know, that that should be uh, out quickly. You know. Yeah, there's a, there's a due process component to it that I explained to him. And I said, look, if you have all body camera footage just gets released immediately and there was a crime that was committed and that crime uh, needs to be prosecuted, there is not immunity against police breaking the law if a police officer breaks a law, he's held to the, that same level of account as all of us. And, and even in some cases to a higher standard than we are. Um, and so I said, if you eliminate due process for police officers, you are eliminating it for regular citizens. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be very careful to make sure we're upholding our constitution, um, regardless of what your biases are on this, on this subject, we have to make sure that we maintain due process. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one, one of the things that one of the officers I was talking to a couple of days ago said, you know, so when uh, one officer does something bad, which there are bad seeds out there, when one officer does something bad, they blame the whole police system. But then sure. when one, one group or one type of person does one thing wrong, mm -hmm. it's that one guy. Right. 
and it's like so that's kind of a, a an issue too yeah, well just even with with firearms you know somebody yeah. misuses a firearm and so the the people that hate our rights use that as a blanket indictment to right. all gun owners right. and all right. guns themselves so if we just break it down a, to the personal responsibility of that one individual well, that, person that requires critical thinking yes. that requires free flow of information that requires conversations like Marissa just demonstrated to us. Um, it's, that's amazing. I want to move on because we're starting to run a little tight on time. Uh, we are sitting in the studio. Today is uh, Monday, May 10th of 2021. Here in Arizona, the election integrity audit is still taking place as we speak. This is a, a historic event, but many here in Arizona and across the nation are acting like the idea of an audit is somehow un-American, and actually I kind of wish the IRS would get that memo, right? Because <laughs> we've been audited by the IRS. We're gun store owners. We are audited by the ATF on a regular basis. Um, so the idea of an audit to us is just kind of like, well, yeah, you, you should. it's like in, in uh, school when you were doing math homework and they said, show your work, right? right. That, that wasn't un-American. It was show me how you got to your answer. Um, so what are your thoughts on where we are in the audit and how the Arizona legislature coming to a close for this year, how are those two things impacting each other? There are definitely some concerns in that arena. Um, my background um, in the private sector is actually in, in technology and supply chain. I help to lead a lot of our national committees to write our standards for traceability and chain of custody um, and master data management. So a lot of the same um, concepts apply to election integrity. And so this is something that is near and dear to my heart because our election standards are really 15 to 20 years behind the private sector. And so it is very frustrating as a professional coming from the private sector to see how our elections are operated and having um, all of our media, all of our politicians, all of our election professionals saying, yep, this is good. This is good. Everything is fine here. And I'm like, we can track our packages on Amazon from the point that it leaves the location. We can see it on a map where it is until it gets to our house and then they take a picture of it for us. Like if we could even just do that in our elections, um, we would be light years ahead of where we're at right now. So when it comes to the audit, I think that personally, I believe every election should be audited. This is the most important event that happens um, in our Republic. Um, it, and it happens for the president every four years, the governor every two years, um, different offices more often than that. And so it is so vital that we have, uh, in order to have what the left likes to call a healthy democracy, that we have accountability in our elections so that uh, people know that their vote counts. And um, not having a fear of your vote not counting is a form of voter suppression, because that means that it's less likely that you're going to vote. Um, having, uh, thinking that your vote is being canceled by a voter that's deceased or someone that's not legally allowed to vote. Those are all things that suppress the vote and, uh, they're not taken seriously by our media or by the left. And so the concern that we have right now is that we, as if you haven't been following it, the, uh, Katie Hobbs, secretary of state, Katie Hobbs has brought the DOJ in to try to shut down this audit. Um, at every turn, she's tried to shut down the audit. And, and so 
they have brought in about, I read one, it was at one place that there were 70 lawyers, I don't know if that's true or not, from the left that are funded here in Arizona now to um, cancel the audit. And so my fear is that if we do not keep our legislature in session um, through the audit and then pass the audit to get whatever new new bills need to be passed that we learn to secure our our um, our elections going forward, that then this it will not happen. Um, in order for a subpoena to be enforced, the legislature has to be in session. The Senate has to be able to vote to enforce a subpoena. And, uh, and so there is a function where they can do periodic recesses to keep the legislative session open until the um, audit is completed. And we have a survey out on EZAZ for people to take. We've had over, I think over now 3,700 responses to the survey. Um, and we're trying to get to 5,000 um, for you to be able to tell the legislature when you want them to recess. Uh, when you want them to close the session, when you want them to signee die. And uh, those are different things. So signee die is an official hard close of the session. That means all pending bills are done, dead, finished. Um, the only way to bring back the session is if the governor calls a session, which is unlikely to happen because we saw last year, he really likes those that executive power during an, an emergency. Um, or two thirds of the legislature calls us back into session, which is never going to happen uh, because the Democrats do not want us in session. Um, and so this is our one chance, probably in the history of our state, to do a comprehensive audit. Um, right now, signatures are not included um, in the scope of the audit. Those envelope signatures where about 80% of our voters vote by mail. You don't vote if you don't audit the signatures. We don't know if ballot harvesting happened. Um, we don't know if deceased voters were necessarily voting um, if we can't match those signatures up. So, so important that we get that done. So uh, go to easyaz.org to complete that survey. We have sent a separate survey out to the legislature asking them when they will sign a die. And we are following up uh, with phone calls to them to find out what their answers are. Um, and so it is, it's, we're going, once we have the answers of both of both surveys, we will then put them side by side and publish them so that you can see what the people want versus what um, the legislators are say that they're going to do. I know we're running out of time. Wait, but I have I, a quick question okay, go ahead. first. So one of the things that's confusing, and I've been following the, the audit fairly closely, um, you... Uh, your organization had put something out that talked about, I believe it was Mark Finicham, mm -hmm. who was, you said, did he give out false information? Now he is one that's been, um, he even calls himself like a honey badger about this audit, right? And so it was confusing for me and I didn't yet dig into like the, the details of it. But so at a glance, I was like, wait a minute, why would he not be as concerned about keeping the legislature open as you are or anyone else is? If he's okay with closing it, uh, why would he be okay with closing it? Because he's so invested in making this audit a reality and a, a reliable audit. Can you? Yeah, that was, that was very concerning for me when I found out that he was trying to stop people from taking our survey because it's a simple survey and you can answer it yes or no. Um, you can even answer it, not sure. Um, so for anyone that has seen the movie Idiocracy, there's a character called Not Sure. 
And it, um, so we added not sure to it for those that weren't, that if you're just not sure, you don't know, it's a difficult question to answer. So there are pros and cons to doing this, right? So if you, if you keep the session open, you protect, you have a better chance of protecting the audit. Um, if you keep the session open though, the two things that are um, negative to that, uh, especially for a legislator's perspective, is that means that new laws won't go into effect until 90 days after the session closes. Um, there was some misinformation going out that said that uh, if the session lasted past the 90 days that the laws should go into effect, then they then all the laws would disappear. That's fake news. That is not true. The laws every if you go back and you look um, at the legislative sessions on azledge.gov, every year the new effective date for laws is different. Um, it's 90 days. The general effective date is 90 days after the session closes. So that's not a risk that happens. Um, it does mean some laws will be delayed from going into effect, but most of these bills this year are from last year because the session closed early. So we've already had a one year plus delay on these bills going into effect as law. So it's not, I haven't found any law yet that's going to be that much of a crisis for it to be delayed. Um, the second thing though that happens is uh, politicians, our elected officials, public servants, whichever category they fall into, are not going to be able to uh, fundraise from lobbyists and PACs while the legislature is in session. So for, and this applies to all the elected legislators. So that is a concern that many legislators have. And, and I don't wanna just, disparage that fundraising is very important. I personally um, don't don't support um, getting a large majority of money from from PACs and lobbyists uh, because I think that it skews um, the uh, creates a bias in that legislator against the people. But that is the prerogative of every single legislator and fundraising is very important. That's how you win races. Um, and that's also how you lose a race if you're not very good at it. So it is something that is important it is something that they need to pay attention to. Um, but if we don't get this election um, integrity audit completed, then we run a risk of a few different things. Um, one is suppressing the vote in 2022, which is a very bad situation to be in. Um, two, not being able to identify what are the areas of improvement for election integrity in Arizona. Um, and three, we're really disappointing the entire nation because the whole nation is watching this audit and counting on it having the support that it needs. And in my opinion, we have worked far too hard um, as citizens um, to push the legislature to do this audit. And, uh, and my personal opinion is that we are abandoning it if we sign e die early. And so I think that our legislators, if they are going to hold to their oath in the constitution, like Mark Fincham says that he um, is doing, then he can abandon this audit. And uh, we have a difference of opinion on that, but um, the the email that he, or the the information that he had sent out to someone was that the Constitution doesn't allow for an extended signee die, and that's not true. Um, we are in an extended signee die right now, um, and, and so the legislature supported that. It only needs to be done by a majority vote. There was another um, email that I received from someone where he said that he needed to get the votes from the Democrats to extend signee die, that is also not true. It just needs to be a simple majority vote. Um, and so I don't know why the misinformation is out there, but we are here to correct it. Well, I so appreciate that. What is Katie Hobbs excuse for not wanting the audit to go through? Um, we don't know because when that question was asked from her, she ran away from the reporter. So I have, I have tweeted out to her to be on uh, Sam Stone's 
a radio show broken potholes for us to get that ant excuse me get that answer from her um and she has not replied to the tweet so we don't know why she's um uh, trying because it's not just that she opposes the operations of it she wants it stopped and that's a very important distinction um there are some things that i would like to see the legislature change in the way that they're operating this audit um but that's different than saying that we that the audit needs to be completely killed um, we do need to wrap up, but did you want to expand on what you feel could have made it uh, superior or is that kind of like its own show? <laughs> that's honestly, that's probably its own show. I, I mean, this is an area where um, I have some expertise in, not in the function of elections, but in the supply chain. Um, and so it, it is one, one thing, there's two things that I can say as like quick talking points on it. Um, one is the fact that they aren't able to do the batch counts. Um, and so what that means is that the Dominion system is set up to store the counts in batches of 200. So that if you do an audit, you should be counting then the ballots in those same 200 batches. So that you can then identify that this batch is the one that doesn't match um, versus all the rest of these batches match. So they're not doing that right now, and it's because they're not able to access the information from what I am, as far as I can tell, from the information I've, I've looked into. So and what will happen right now is that when that counting concludes, if, they're, if it's off, which it likely will be because hand counts are um, a little bit harder to judge by, then we won't know what batch is off. We won't know where it came from. And so it's almost like, well, we are however many ballots off, but there's another, we have to go back and count the 2 million again to figure out where it comes from. You have to be able to count within those batches to be able to identify what batches off and then complete your investigation after that. Um, another thing is, is that um, Maricopa County doesn't have the passwords to the full Dominion system. And um, that is highly concerning. So I did talk to uh, Garrett Archer. Um, he, he's called the data guru. He's with ABC 15. He used to work for Michelle Reagan um, and about this because he's um, much has a much more proficiency on the technical side than I do. We have a difference of opinion on the audit and what high election integrity standards are, but I'll leave that aside. Um, so he said it's kind of, he said the technology that we're talking about is on the machines that you vote on um, at the when you're um, in the in the polling location, and that it's basically kind of like a cell phone app where you don't need to have the code that gets into the code of your cell phone app. And I said that's just still not acceptable for me. Um, at any corporation that I've worked at, um, and every position I've been, I mean, I've I've led large national and and international technology projects. It was never acceptable for us to not have access to every single part of that system if it's your operating system and dominion is the operating system for the technology that drives our elections and so this ultimately means that dominion is the one that is the only one that possesses the passwords to manipulate the code and not maricopa county um, in this part portion of um of the uh hardware and software that runs the elections and so um, Garrett didn't seem to have a concern. Um, I think that it's highly concerning and I personally think that should be a new law. That 
That is interesting. And these are the kinds of things that I think are going to ultimately come out of this historic moment that we're in and this audit. Um, yeah. More, maybe even more impactful than, you know, uh, was Trump really, you know, did he really win Arizona or not? Uh, but if there were things that were done wrong, whether they were just lazy or whether there was malintent or whatever the case may be, let's find out what those are now. And Absolutely. So that we can move forward with a better and more secure system. And so um, I, I think that these are such important conversations to be having right now, rather than just that's un-American, that's unconstitutional. Yeah. It's a constitutional crisis that we're checking our work. I mean, some of these things are so childish and so uh, just on their face, um, partisan and uh, divisive that it, it, we really should be able to start you know, looking down that list and going, okay, that argument, it, let's just not even put that in, in the conversation anymore because that's ridiculous. Let's really get down to the nuts and bolts about how, it, how does it work, how should it work, and what needs to be changed in the future to secure it. Yeah, and I think that there's two really important things to pay attention to here. One is that this audit is a bipartisan effort, um, whether Democrats want it to be or not. Um, John Brakey, who is a progressive, um, is is uh, uh, one of the leaders in this audit, as is the um, Maricopa County Libertarian Party Chairman Brandon Slayton. And so even though the Democrats have refused to participate, people uh, that ideologically agree with the Democrats have stood up and said, no, we're going to participate in this audit and make sure that it's run efficiently. So I'm so thankful for their leadership. I know both of them. Um, both of them have been very strong on election integrity for as long as I've known them. Uh, and then the second thing is that if these laws don't go into effect now, they will not be effective for the next primary election. And so that is why it is so important for us to delay, um, in my very strong opinion, uh, delay sine die and do a recess um, because you see the shenanigans they're doing right now. They're bringing the DOJ in while we have the legislature in session. What are they going to do once that once the legislative session closes? Yeah. And 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 the ultimate question is uh, because Mark Fincham had said in that um, message that we. Um, that the governor can call in a special session. Do we really want election integrity in Arizona to have the buck stop at the governor's desk? Or do we want the buck to stop at the people's desk? And I think that the right answer to that is that the buck must stop at the people's desk. We elected them for a reason. We expect leadership from them. We do not expect them to abandon their posts again. Well, it's getting late and it's time to go, but I just have to make one statement. As an outside guy, I mean, I don't really get involved in a lot of the uh, ways that we vote, things that we do. I can only see that this whole system was designed to be cheated hmm. from an outsider. It, I mean, it, that's... there's too many. Oh, wait, what happened to the old days when you take your registered voters, you send them a card, they fill the card out, and they send it back, super easy to count. If the registered voter uh, list gets fraud, then you can go through there and weed out who's alive and who's dead, but you got X amount of voters, you got X amount of ballots that came in, 
and there's your answer. Why did we go to all this secret passwords that the county can't have or that the state can't have and all this other baloney? I mean, why? Well, I think that a bigger question is why do we need laws for common sense? I mean, we expect right. all of our record, you know, our recorder's office, our board of supervisors, these are all elected officials. We expect them to act in our best interest. And the fact that we basically have to nanny our, our elected officials as the people, we have to nanny them to do the right thing on these small, small issues is very concerning to me. Yeah. Um, in, in some cases, I think it goes to der dereliction of duty um, for lack of a better term. And I know those are very strong words, um, but these are elections. This is, this is what maintains us as a republic. This is what maintains our sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if we are not able to have confidence in our elections and confidence that they are being run well um, and with full integrity, then I, I don't know if we, if we are able to then call us ourselves really the United States of America, because that is what we were founded on are those principles of integrity and transparency and accountability. Um, so there, I know that we're short on time, but there's just two other things that I want to mention, um, changing the topic, um, if that's okay. Please go on, on easyaz.org um, and, and register, at least subscribe to our, our website. One of the things that we'll be releasing later this week are the bills on critical race theory that are going through. There's two bills that are very important. One of them uh, will ban critical race theory from being taught in schools to children. I think that's a decision that parents need to make. Um, but we will be providing that information for those that aren't aware of it. Critical race theory basically is a theory that says that all of our laws in the past, all of our elected officials, everyone that's ever served our nation uh, pretty much was doing the actions that they were taking to be racist and um, that our country was built on racism and that um, and that we need to um, really un dismantle the country for the sake of, of racism, which I just think is patently absurd. Um, <clears throat> we have overcome so many things as a nation, and every time that an issue has been brought before us, we have overcome it. We oppose bigotry as a nation. Um, our people are good people. They love each other. They love their neighbors. Um, and even globally, we have, we have been so generous to our neighbors around the world, and so I think it's a, an absurd notion. Um, the second bill will ban critical race theory from being taught within government departments. And so this is very important because um, as soon as that bill went through, there was a wide alert that was sent throughout the city of Phoenix because it really undoes almost all of their employee training. Um, and it will grind, it will cause their anti-police committee to come to a grinding halt um, because that is that theory is what exactly what that entire committee uh, curriculum is based on at this point. So it is, uh, our governor has spoken out against um, the bills. Um, he has said that they are too broad and they go too far. And so we'll be putting all of that information out there to tell you exactly what the bills do, what they don't do. Um, we're doing the research right now to identify what's happening in other states um, and then give you the opportunity to let your public officials know um, where you stand on these issues. The second- Marissa, we, we're, we're going to have to cut it off now, but you know, we're going to have you back on again. Thank you very much for being on the air today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Well, I, I agree with that, but did, were you in mid-sentence? Was there something you were talking about? Yeah, I was in mid-sentence. The last thing is just go on to EZAZ to be able to get your tickets for the Nigel Farage event. Um, by the time the show airs, we will have very few tickets left. Um, I'm hoping we will still have tickets left. And if you want reserved seating, then become a Pi Club member. We would be so glad to have you as, um, as a member of EZAZ.org.
Absolutely. And thank you so much uh, for all that you're doing and for spending this time with us. And as Danny said, we're definitely going to have to have you back on because things are moving and shaking and shifting. And I guarantee you the minute that we put something in place that says they can't teach critical race theory, they'll just repackage it and rename it and then start feeding it to our kids again and to our, our state legislators uh, and, and city officials. So we're going to have to stay on top of all of that. Well, thank you so much for having me on. These topics are so important to discuss. And um, and I know that we could spend an entire session just on the election and and um, and other issues. But yeah, stay tuned. Go on easyaz.org. And thank you so much for all that you are doing to protect our Second Amendment um, as a survivor of domestic violence. You have no idea how important it is, the work that you are doing for us. Oh, thank you so much, Marissa. All right, we will talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. What a great show. Yeah. And you know, but we really have to go. So we we've do. got to thank, first of all, thank Melissa Hamilton from Easy. What's her name? Marissa Hamilton. Yep. There you go. I thought you said uh, Melissa. No, I, I, I didn't mean to if I did. <laughs> from uh, easyaz.org. Okay. And also thank our guests for listening because if it wasn't for them listening. Our, our listeners for listening. Absolutely. Thank you yeah. so much all across the entire globe. Uh, we value you. We appreciate you. And of course, you can always find all of our content at gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. Darling. Darling, click the guest tab and you can find out more information about Marissa uh, and all of our guests. It's a wonderful resource and we don't hate it when you spend time there. And until next time, we are going to pray for our nation, pray for our leaders. Pray for our, our, our representatives, even the, the ones we don't like. Yeah. We're going to pray for everyone. Yeah. We've got to get this. we got to turn this back upright. It's upside, Everything's upside down. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you soon.